Uh, as we get started, I just want to draw your attention to the, uh, the Christmas invitation that's in your worship folder. This is not an invitation for you. You are invited. Uh, you don't need this. But this is an invitation for you to, to give to your friends, your family, your coworkers, uh, friends at school, uh, neighbors, whoever uh, in your life that you want to invite. Our Sundays in December are going to be a lot of fun. Uh, they're going to be uh, full of just a chance to celebrate the beauty of the gospel, and you want to bring your friends. So use this invitation not just to, to slip to them, but, but bring them with you. Uh, let them come and experience uh, all that God has for them. You could pick up more of these out in the coffee corner, out in the lobby. So uh, take them. They don't do us any good if they sit around here. So take them, use them, and, uh, and be a blessing to your friends this Christmas. We have talked uh, here before about the idea of paying it forward, you know, like if you go to the Starbucks drive through and uh, you offer to pay for the, the car behind you. My wife's really good at doing that. I always forget until it's too late, but uh, uh, strangely, nobody ever wants to pay for uh, us. When I see our minivan pull in behind, nobody's offering to do that. I don't know, but uh, I came across a crazy story, a wild story of somebody paying it forward. Uh, and uh, this is a woman named Eileen Taylor. She was at the drive through line at a place called Heavenly Donuts. That just sounds good in uh, Massachusetts. But uh, the day before, she'd been there the day before, and somebody in line had paid for her coffee. And she was just really moved by that. She had just lost her job as a physician's assistant. Money was really tight. And somebody, just, just a kind gesture to a stranger, <clears throat> paid for her, her coffee. And it just made a big difference to her. So she's so thankful for that, and she decides even though money's tight, she's short on cash, she's going to pay it forward. So she pays for the donuts in the, in the car behind her at $12, you know. And uh, as a result of her actions, the family in the car behind her did the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. So it resulted in a chain reaction of 55 customers paying for the people behind them. It went on for two and a half hours of, of that drive through So her generosity was just contagious, right? What a fun story. Two and a half hours, all kinds of people, all kinds of generosity, just, just being, being generous and giving to other people. But where does generosity start? It, well, for, for Eileen Taylor, it started with gratitude. She was thankful for what had been done to her, and she wanted to, to do it to somebody else. And that's a biblical principle that we're going to see played out today. We're in a series called Thanks and Giving, and that's exactly what our focus is on, thankfulness and giving. And we're exploring what it means to have gratitude. Just uh, like we talked about last week, we're going to explore how that gratitude shows up in our lives as generosity, as giving. And to see this played out, we're going to look at a handful of different Bible passages from the book of Exodus. So if you want to turn to the book of Exodus, we'll flip around in it a bit, but it's the beginning of the Bible, the second book of the Bible, and uh, we're going to start in Exodus 25, Exodus 25, and we'll go on from there. And while you're finding your way there, let me just give you a little bit of background. So Moses, he's leading the people of Israel out in the wilderness, and, and uh, God was with the people in a really unique way. He appeared to them as a, as a pillar of smoke in the day and a pillar of fire at night, so that he was always with them and they could always see him. But God wanted more for them. A little bit like we talked about last week, he wanted them to just be closer to him. 
And, and at this point, God spoke primarily to Moses, and then Moses would speak to the people and share what, what God had in mind. And so, so God tells Moses this plan that he has to be closer to the people, this plan that for the people to be able to, to draw near to him. Because you can't really draw near to a pillar of fire. Don't, don't do that. But, but God had a better plan. And his plan is in Exodus 25, verse 8. It says, uh, God tells them, they're to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. So God's plan is to have this, this sanctuary, a tabernacle, so that he could dwell with his people in a more intimate way, a more personal way. That's his goal. To be with the people, to let them meet with him. And in order for that plan to happen, in order for that closer relationship to exist, God knows that something else needs to happen. So let's look at the verses right before this. Exodus 25, we'll start in verse 1. Yahweh spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites to take an offering for me. You're to take my offering from everyone who's willing to give. This is the offering you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red and fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx along with other gemstones for mounting on the ephod and the breastpiece. They're to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. So there's some suggested items. You know, they don't have money, they just have stuff. And God suggests some items they could use to help build this sanctuary, this tabernacle. And that last verse there, verse 8, describes again God's plan. And the pathway to get there is generosity. Their own giving is what's going to help them grow closer to God. In some ways, it's the same kind of principle we talked about last week, where, where gratitude draws us closer to God. And a big part of God's plan involves his people giving so that they can draw closer to him. But notice there's a huge caveat here. God provides one key word that that dictates how the giving should happen. Do you notice the word? It's right in verse 2. God tells Moses, you're to take my offering from everyone who is willing to give. Willing, that's the key idea. God wants the people to draw closer to him, but they have to be willing. There's no obligation here. And this word that's translated willing, it's actually two words in Hebrew, two Hebrew words. One word means willing, it means voluntary, it means not coerced, just making a choice on your own. The other word is is the word for heart. So God wants his people to, to give voluntarily only as they're willing, and he wants it to come from the heart, from their heart, that people willingly give what they have in order to draw closer to God. So for God, the pathway towards generosity starts with the heart. It starts with a heart that's bent towards God, a heart that recognizes all that God has done for us and that it wants to celebrate that, a heart that has encountered God and wants more of him. Remember, God, uh, God has a plan to, to provide a way for his people to draw closer to him, and the way that happens is through giving, giving that comes from a willing heart. So we might say it this way, gratitude grows into giving. Gratitude grows into giving. That's the plan that God has. He wants the people to stop, to, to think about what God has done for them, and from that place in their heart, from that gratitude, they'll grow in generosity and giving. Gratitude grows into giving. So that's God's plan for his people. He, he tells this plan to Moses, and, and what do you suppose was the response of the people? As they looked at their stuff, as they thought about what they were willing to give from their hearts, what do you think was their response? Do you suppose Moses came back the next week and said, well, you'll, you'll notice in your worship folder we're 12% behind budget. You know, what do you suppose 
was the result. Flip ahead in your Bible just a little bit to Exodus 35, and let's read what happens. Moses goes to the people. He tells them what God has told them. He tells them God's plan. Look with me, uh, starting in verse 4. Then Moses said to the entire Israelite community, This is what Yahweh has commanded. Take up an offering among you for Yahweh. Let everyone whose heart is willing bring this as Yahweh's offering, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red, fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx with gemstones to mount on the ephod and breastpiece. So the people get these instructions, and they have to decide how they're going to respond. They have to look at their own resources, all the things they have, and they have to decide what are they going to do with those things. How are they going to respond to God's invitation? How much gratitude do they have? So skip down. The chapter goes on. Skip to verse 20. Then the entire Israelite community left Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to Yahweh for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its services and for the holy garments. Both men and women came, all who had willing hearts, brought brooches, earrings, rings, necklaces, all kinds of gold jewelry. Everyone who presented a presentation offering of gold to Yahweh. Everyone who possessed blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, fine linen, or goat hair, ram skins dyed red, or fine leather, brought them. Everyone making an offering of silver or bronze brought it as a contribution to Yahweh. Everyone who possessed uh, acacia wood, useful for any task in the work, brought it. Every skilled woman spun yarn with her hands and brought it, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts were moved spun the goat hair by virtue of their skill. The leaders brought onyx and gemstones to mount on the ephod and breastpiece, as well as the spice and oil for the light, for the anointing oil, for the fragrant incense. So the Israelites brought a free will offering to Yahweh, all the men and women whose hearts prompted them to bring something for all the work that Yahweh, through Moses, had commanded to be done. So lots and lots of people gave. Not everybody, but certainly most of them. They were all giving out of willing hearts. So what happened? What was the result of all this gratitude that grew into giving? Let's flip ahead one more chapter and see. In chapter 36, the craftsmen who've been put in charge of building the tabernacle begin to assess all the gifts that the people have made. They're they're looking at the materials they have to work with. And uh, and verse 3 tells us this. They took from Moses' presence all the contributions that the Israelites had brought for the task of making the sanctuary. Meanwhile, the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. Then all the artisans who were doing all the work for the sanctuary came one by one from the work they were doing and said to Moses, The people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work Yahweh commanded to be done. After Moses gave an order, they sent a proclamation throughout the camp. Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people stopped. The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work. There was more than enough. They gave more than enough. They, they searched their hearts and they gave, their gratitude grew into giving. And then they went back home and they looked around and they saw some other things they could give. And they went back and gave those things. They kept reevaluating their possessions. They kept finding things they could live without. They, they kept finding ways they could sacrifice so that they could fulfill God's desire for them. They kept giving and giving until finally Moses tells them to stop. Now, I've been in church 
almost my whole life. And I don't think I've ever heard a pastor get up and say, well, good news, we met our budget for the year early. You could stop giving now. This is a remarkable moment. It's just, it's absolutely remarkable. But really, this should be the story for all of us. For these Israelites, their generosity, it came from a place of thankfulness. Just like the, the lady who started a two-and-a-half-hour-long drive-through chain, it all started with gratitude. For these Israelites, they had a lot to be thankful for. I mean, God had, uh, if you look through the story of Exodus, God had done all kinds of things for them, big and small moments where he shows up in very special ways. He, he brought plagues on Egypt, but each time he spared the Israelites. He delivered them from slavery. They were brutally mistreated slaves, but God rescued them made them their own nation. Later on, they're out in the wilderness, away from Egypt. God provides for them. He gave them food to eat, manna. He cared for them in that way. God, God gave them water out of a rock in the middle of the wilderness right when they needed it. God just continually did things for them and went before them. But the craziest part is that their story is not unique. It's our story too. Each one of us, we could point to things that God has done for us, ways that God has shown up in our lives and given us just what we need, just at the right time. And just like the Israelites, we can let that gratitude, that recognition of what God has done for us, grow into generosity. Our gratitude should grow into giving. And we could probably spend a lot of time going around the room, sharing stories of God's faithfulness to us. I mean, our, our No Longer Strangers event was full of those kinds of stories, moments where God had been good even when we don't deserve it. It's good to remind ourselves of those things. But I want to share a, a great story that I came across, a, a story of a couple that had seen God's hand in their lives, that used their experience, their own gratitude, to grow into giving. This is a story told by a man named Jeff Jeff and his wife, Amy, they're a couple that live in Franklin, Tennessee, and and Jeff tells the story. This is what he says. He says, you know how sometimes it feels like life just happens? You know, just random things seem to fill your day, things with little or no consequence to anyone else. I mean, I, I know God's in control of my life, he says, but I never really saw how much he was weaving my story with other people's story and really into his story. But that's all changed. It was a cold day, the kind where you really don't want to have some long conversation outside with someone, especially someone you don't really know, but that's exactly what God had in mind. Amy and I were finishing lunch downtown Franklin. We're walking to the car, and we see this couple that I thought I recognized from church. It would have been awkward to just walk by and not say anything, so we stopped, and we said, hey, and we do the whole, yeah, you guys go to fellowship, church, whatever. We start talking, and they recognize us from the Dave Ramsey class. They asked us where we were in the process, and I told them, so far, we've paid off $60,000, but we still have $10,000 of debt left to go. And they asked us what we would do when we're debt-free. I laughed, and I told them, well, I told my kids I'd buy them a trampoline, but we really want to adopt a baby. We're committed to being debt-free before we adopt. Well, the whole conversation lasted just a few minutes. It was like, nice to meet you. That was random. Well, the next day, that random person shows up at my office with a brand-new trampoline. I couldn't believe it. I was like, my kids are going to freak out. I set the thing up that night. My kids jumped on that thing for four hours. I mean, we didn't even know these people. They didn't have to do that. It's very generous. Jeff goes on with more of the story. He says, the next day I get an email from the same lady saying, oh, you guys seem like a sharp couple. We'd love to come by and talk to you about something. I emailed her back and I said, that sounds like a multi-level marketing proposal. 
And if that's, that's what it is, we're really not interested. Of course, she says, it's not that kind of deal. She's very persistent. She even called Amy. Amy had been sick. It really was not a great time to have company over. Our house was a wreck. We didn't feel like picking it up. We said everything short of, please don't come over to our house. So they show up. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Let's get this over with. Don't say yes to anything. I couldn't believe they, they, they sank their claws into us with that trampoline just to try to get us involved in this pyramid scheme. So we small talk about five minutes, and then right when I thought they were about to drop the bomb, they did, only it was not the bomb I was expecting. The lady says, we told you we'd just be a few minutes, and I don't really know how to say this, but we want to pay off your $10,000 left in debt so that you guys can adopt. So she pulls out her checkbook, and she says, how do you spell your last name? I just thought, what, are you kidding me? Are you for real? I mean, who does that? Who writes somebody a check for $10,000 and then gives it to people they, they barely even know? But they gave the check, and they said, just don't act weird around us at church. Don't tell anybody it was us, and they drove off. Amy and I stood there for 10 minutes in total shock. We cried, we screamed, we ran all over the yard and the house. Unbelievable. Jeff wraps up the story This way, he says, we realized nine months later when we brought Malia home that the check they wrote us was dated nine months prior to Malia's due date. So they gave us that money right around the time that she was conceived. It was as if God was saying, I've got a baby out there for you right now. I'm not waiting around another two years for you to pay off that debt. We felt called to adopt, he says, but we simply couldn't do it on our own. We found out that this random couple had already adopted four children of their own and felt the calling to continue to serve through adoption. But rather than bringing more children into their home, they decided to help others. So it didn't just happen. It wasn't random at all. God knew his plan. He had just invited us to walk with him through this process. He was weaving our callings, our stories together for us to love and to care for each other and make a beautiful tapestry for his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that a great story? But the best part is, it could be your story, and it could be my story. I mean, this couple had had seen God show up for them in their adoptions, and they let that gratitude turn into giving. They didn't think twice about giving $10,000 to people that they barely even knew. Now, maybe for you, the things that God has done for you, they're not as dramatic as being uh, fed miraculously in the desert. Maybe you've never been rescued from a plague. Maybe you've never had the opportunity to give $10,000 away in one shot. But we need to understand we all got things that we can be thankful for. We all have things that God has done in our lives. We can all respond to God with gratitude. And God's plan for each of us is to let that gratitude grow into giving. One more thing I want to point out about this story in Exodus. It's not about having $10,000 to give away. It's not about being able to build the most amazing tabernacle with all kinds of amazing gifts. It's really just about one thing. It's about having a willing heart. It's about gratitude that grows into giving. Understand that the folks who gave gold and silver and bronze, they weren't any better than the folks who gave yarn. I mean, God's not impressed with our stuff. It's all his stuff anyway. God's interested in our hearts. Are we letting our gratitude grow into giving? So my encouragement to you this morning is simply to respond to God. If you're not currently giving to this church, then I would challenge you to go back to the beginning. Think about the things that God has done for you. Just like we talked about last week, write them down. Things that you're thankful for. Just go back to the heart level. 
And then let that gratitude grow. Let it grow into giving. Because you need to understand that, that giving to God's church, it's not about an obligation. It's not about obeying commands. That's not where it starts. It starts with the heart. You've got to go back to your heart. And understand, too, that the dollar amount is really not important. God will take care of this church. All he wants from you and me is a willing heart. So if you can give a lot, great. If you can give a little, that's also great. As long as you're giving out of a heart of gratitude, God's going to use whatever you got to give. God has a plan for each and every one of us to draw closer to him. And God has a plan for this church. And a big part of that plan is for us to engage this community with the gospel, to make disciples in this valley. But it all starts with our hearts, a heart of gratitude that grows into giving. We pray with me? God, our prayer is, is that we would go back to the beginning, that we would go back to the place where our heart uh, was changed by you, our heart uh, has been um, just moved by the blessings that you've given us, Lord. Help us to remind ourselves of that. Help us to rehearse those things so that we can have a heart that's overflowing with gratitude. And, and my prayer for this church is that we would be people who are... Uh, constantly aware of what you've done for us and therefore constantly seeking to follow in your footsteps, to to give uh, just the way that you gave to us. You gave your one and only son and we want to be people who are just as generous with the things that you've given us, Lord. And pray that you would just use our gratitude to grow into giving that grows into um, impacting this valley for the sake of the gospel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.